Blue foul. We'll take a shot downfield. And it is held in by Bryce Bulba. What a one-handed catch. Remember that for your highlight show tonight. Brucott to the corner for Carrington. Intercepted. Colorado got it. Witherspoon. With the biggest play in Colorado football for years. This could be a pass. Bryce Bobo down the field for Colorado. Some trickery, Philip Lindsay. Lindsay touchdown buffs. Oliver takes it. Has a big one already. He's got room here. Isaiah Oliver cuts it back. Harder to beat. He does. He'll take it. Touchdown. Who fell? Locked and one to the end zone, caught! Touchdown, Shea Fields! Off the right hand side, ball is fumbled, picked up by Kenneth Olabode, and he runs it in from the six! Touchdown! Touchdown, Colorado! The defense comes up big again! Welcome in to a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, publisher of BuffStampede.com with fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. You ready for some spring football? Yeah, but it's crazy. Or win- winter football, I guess, more appropriately. It's crazy how fast it comes when you have a ball game. Yeah. Oh, we went straight from ball game into signing day preparation. Only a couple weeks off until uh, spring football starts. So, honestly, I love it. I would like to not have that month and a half extra long break ever again. Let's go to a bowl game every year. It's it's way better for this particular job. <laughs> Spring football starts uh, this Wednesday, the 22nd, in a, a pretty aggressive timeline here leading up to the spring game on March 18th. You're going to see uh, practice every Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and then Monday, and then going through that cycle all the way until the spring game. Uh, one of the reasons uh, that, that you can benefit from an earlier spring ball like this is that if any guys do get hurt, there's longer time for them to rehab those injuries before camp starts. On the flip side, you could say, well, there's a longer break then between spring ball and camp, which could lead to more rust. They are still working out with the strength and conditioning mm-hmm. staff. Which side of that uh, do, you, do you agree with more? Oh, I definitely love doing it earlier. Because um, you're getting the freshmen and all the JUCO guys, all the mid-year transfers in earlier. Gives them more time to, um, you know, because they do workouts in the summer. I mean, Montez will have guys running routes. They do all that stuff in the summer. So it's not sanctioned, but there'll be guys out there working with the team. Um, yeah, not even just for an injury perspective, but it just kind of gets you back. in. We have a momentum thing right now. You want You want to keep that going. The longer they sit these guys on the sidelines after a pretty good year, the more likely are to forget what you know that feeling. So um, I, I like getting them back out there. Obviously, they have a ton of space in the indoor practice facility. Weather's not going to be an issue, so that's they used to do it later strictly because they had to be outside. But um, at times, and then the bubble is you know it's small. Like they they use the bubble, but it's not great. You know, like they use it as a last priority or as a last resort. I mean, so uh, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm excited to get back out there and watch a lot of these. We've got a ton of new guys to get information on, so it's going to be fun for us. We've got a mailbag with questions uh, related to spring ball, and we're actually going to do a position-by-position breakdown and analysis, basically going through almost every player, just kind of talking about our our pre-spring expectations. Before we jump into that, Tyler, I guess I'd ask for more kind of a bigger picture 
idea from you in terms of what would constitute a, a successful spring for the Buffaloes? Well, I want to see the offense click, get these guys used to Montez. Uh, I feel like with Montez out there, there we have a lot more possibilities about what we can do offensively. Cephalo is limited in some regard there. But from a leadership perspective, Montez has got to grow. He's a young guy. I think last year didn't really understand what it takes to be a quarterback at times. He's definitely in better shape. I mean, he saw pictures on social media. He's he's ripped up right now. So from that perspective, he's off to a good start. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I, th I think they have a chance to have a really, really explosive offense. Uh, if he stays engaged, it could be awesome here. And you're probably going to want to hear out of interviews and observations, uh, people talking about there not being a big difference between B.J. Elliott's system mm -hmm. and what they ran under Levitt. Some want probably hear some continuity from that level, even though you have new coaches there and, and new personnel. And then you're going to want to hear, oh, yeah, Javi Edwards has right. been a beast on, at yeah. nose tackle and some of those mid-year JUCO guys, because mm -hmm. you're certainly going to need them to live up to the billing if you're going to uh, yeah. kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of bridge the gap from, from last year's group, which was a pretty special defensive group. Yeah, they're here to play starters minutes, so you want to walk out on the practice field and say, yeah, okay, those guys are, we know they're going to be on the field this year. If you're like, eh, not as good as we thought, could be could be an issue on the defensive side of the ball next year for sure. Kind of a tight timeline between uh, signing day and spring ball this year. So it's been uh, tough for us to get as much of the spring ball primer content out to you, but I did release a feature, uh, 10 guys that are primed for a bigger role in 2017. Um, and then William Gardner has done a great job with his State of Colorado articles, basically going position by position. Uh, so I hope you guys have been checking those out. There are 88 scholarships currently allocated for 2017. That, that seems like a pretty comfortable number. You're just not going to go from signing day all the way to camp with no attrition. And you want to be as close to that 85 number as you can going into preseason camp. Yeah, you never want to get in a situation where you have to feel like you're forcing somebody out the door. Usually, though, it seems like at least two or three guys are gone by the time fall camp starts. So I don't see, I don't foresee any issues there. We'll see. Um, anything more than that, you start to be a little wary, I guess. But 88, I think, is a pre pretty good number. It depends on how many guys you think would be comfortable gray shirting. It's time to dive into the Buff Stampede Radio Mailbag, which is presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Located one block north of Coors Field, the Blake Street Tavern has been Denver's premier sports bar since its opening in 2003. All right, Go Buffs 88 asked, who has the, the most to prove with the danger of being buried on the depth chart once the heralded 2017 recruits step on campus this summer? Um, man, there's a lot of possibilities there. I would say Sam Neuer probably is a good one. I mean, you're going to have that backup quarterback role. Uh, that's going to be a battle for sure. Uh, we'll get into it later, lot, but Sam's going to be just fine. A lot, of, a lot of the wide receiver, like those middle-tier wide receiver guys, I mean, someone someone is 100% going to fall down the chart there and not see less of playing, a lot of playing time for the rest of their career. Yeah, Lee Walker so, needs to show something this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even, even a Johnny Huntley, you know, we'll see. I, I think, honestly, it'd be cool if they redshirted him. I don't know if he's interested in doing that, but... There's there's extra bodies at wide receiver, so someone's not going to get as many reps as they want. You know who the answer is here? Jonathan Huckins. Yeah. If he does not have a strong spring, one of those true freshmen's coming in and they're mm -hmm. going to start on the offensive line. Yeah, that's probably fair. Uh, I mean, some of the some of the D linemen that were buried on the depth chart last year have a chance to stay stick in that role. I mean, your Lyle Tui Lomas, your Eddie Lopez, your 
um, Jace Frankie. I mean, mm-hmm. if if they don't come in and improve, there's a, there's a chance that some of these guys could come in and take their spot. What about Taron Hasselback? You got Carson Wells, Trace Newman, Jacob Callier coming in all yeah, expected I mean, to play outside backer. Yeah, plus Pookie Maka. I mean, yeah, Taron. I mean, I feel like Taron knew he was kind of getting into. That was always kind of a developmental role. I would say he's honestly played more than most people would have thought already. Uh, I thought he played well. Um, if someone passes him up, we've got pretty good linebacker depth at that position, I would say. But, yeah, I mean, he, he has a chance to not play as many snaps. Um, kind of like the Leo Jackson we saw last year. You know, going from a guy who played a ton to not as much last year. Yeah. You would expect him to, despite all these guys coming in, play a ton of snaps this upcoming year. But you never know. Buffin Vegas asked, how many of the redshirt freshmen and true freshmen do you see in the two deep lineup and how many in the starting lineup? Yeah, so we, t- we talked about this in the other podcast. Um, I kind of broke it down into offense, defense, special teams. So offensively, guys that you, that you can expect um, to be on the two deep, Redshirt and true freshman. I have Sam Neuer, probably your backup quarterback. Um, Chris Bounds, guy that not that many people have talked about at tight end. I feel like he's He's probably, a sophomore, though. Is he? Yeah. He's going to be a sophomore. He played this year? Yep. Oh, okay. Something my bad. It's all good. Um, and then Jake Moretti was the only other one I had in the two deep offensively. Um, did, did you have... Possibly Grant Pauley. Uh, depending, uh, you know, yeah, how I mean, that Moretti's knee, you know, re- recovers. Yeah, probably. I mean, at, at two deep, who knows? I mean, there's the thing though is most of the two deep guys on the line aren't going to play. Um, but yeah, I'm sure one of the redshirt or true freshmen besides Moretti uh, will show up on the two deep. Who knows who it's going to be though? Um, defensively, I had four guys on there: Dante Sparaco, Akil Jones. Chris Miller and Nate Landman. I know you're going to throw John Van Deest on there as well. Um, so those are the four guys. I don't think any of those guys will be starting, but I could see all four in the backup role. I agree with that. I will say don't sleep on Trey Udofia. He did well on scout team, and you're going to need uh, some depth there at cornerback in the secondary going forward. And then also, I think he's still another year away, but Tariq Roberts is a guy too that, that did well on scout team. All right, Olad Buff asked, who will emerge as the starting five on the offensive line at the end of spring ball? We kind of talked briefly about this when I mentioned uh, Jonathan Huckins. Mm-hmm. I think he's the odds-on favorite to leave spring ball as a starter there, just because Jake Moretti's still coming back from that, that knee injury. That's really the only position I think that's in question right now. I mean, left tackle, you're going to have Irwin. Left guard, you're going to have Coe. Center, Lanat. Um, right tackle, you're going to go with Hagler, I would think. Yes. Is, is most likely going to be those four. So then, yeah, it's going to be kind of a moretti Polly huckins battle at right guard there. That's the only one I think there's any real uh, controversy over right now. I guess the wild card in here, because he's now an upperclassman, would be Josh Kaiser, but just haven't heard enough of the buzz there to really make that bold prediction. But he's at yeah, least somebody to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, he, he's mostly at guard now. I know they're right. swinging him back and forth between tackle guard. Yeah, I guess he could be thrown into the mix there as well. So, Dorno9 asked, do you think Steven Montez will be second on the team in carries next year like Cepho was this year? Um, of course, he's assuming that Philip Lindsay is going to stay healthy and that right. Steven Montez is going to be the starter and stay healthy. And I would say if you're putting odds in Vegas, he's probably going to be the odds on favorite yeah. to be the second guy. But it's going to be a little bit different. They're going to utilize his strengths with his legs. But Steven Montez is shedding weight. Uh, you see he's yeah. he's got a six-pack now, and he's... He's, he's, he's not, scrambling. 
It's going to be scrambling. It's not going to be right. as many designed runs. Right. Yeah, and I think he will. He probably will be second, but it's not going to be anywhere near the number that Cepho had, if that makes sense. So you're going to have, Phil's going to get a ton of carries next year, I think, is how it's looking right now, if all goes to plan. Um, and then you'll have, I mean, who knows who's going to pop out of that running back rotation. We always try to guess this every year, and we always look really dumb. So, um, well, Kyle Evans would be the, the, right. the, the guy yeah. you would think at this point. Right, and Atkins is popping up as somebody who's going to get carries again. Who knows? Bo Bishrath, we think maybe will get moved, but people have been talking about him showing up in practice and stuff like that, so who knows, man. But I, I don't see any any of the other running backs getting a ton of carries. I guess I'll say that. Yeah. HighBuff79A asked, do you anticipate any of the 2016 class players will redshirt this year? I think he meant, obviously, 2017. Yeah, 17 is what I was hoping, or assuming he was going going with as well. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly at the point where you can uh, redshirt most of those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, the only the only other thing I'm thinking is, does he, is, is this really, is he asking if Johnny Huntley is going to redshirt? If that was a 60. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I think that is probably what he's doing, huh? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess Huntley, there's a chance. Because uh, I think he's really talented, but he's behind four really talented guys. I mean, that's just it's as simple as that. I think for the program, it'd be great if he's willing to do it. It's just a matter of, is he willing to do it? So there were only four guys that saw action from the 2016 class. So you could just go down the list here. Davis Price, no, you're expecting right. him to play. Tony Jolmese, Anthony Jolmese, you know he's going to be a, a big part of this time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned Huntley, and I think, yes, there is a good chance he redshirts. And the only other one is Bo Bisharat, who still has his redshirt as a true sophomore. And uh, from special teams and being a depth piece of running back, he's going to play too. Yeah, he's one of our best special teams players, so he's going to play. So he, the only one there possibly is Huntley. Yeah. So if that was the question, then yes, Huntley I think is reasonable. I, I think it would be great if he was willing to do it because he could play a ton as an upperclassman, but he's just not going to pass any of the four guys in front of him right now. Right. Ravens 0811 asked, with all the wide receivers coming back this year, who gets the short end of the stick? Yeah, I mean, Lee Walker, we mentioned him before, I think is the main guy. Lee, uh, and again, you're, Johnny Arnold. You're not going to like my answer because I know you like this guy. KB on Ento. Yeah, I mean, it's you're not wrong. I mean, again, there's four really talented guys that are better than him. Um, it's, it's, it would know, honestly no... be kind of sad if he doesn't get to see the field just because you think back that he could have been a starter like back yeah, in their doldrum days. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, Jawan, he, did, he didn't play a ton last year, with, and all three of those wide receivers are back, and Jawan Winfrey is 100% better than KB and Ento as well. So he's just going to move one more spot down. They could try to maybe play him in the slot a bit more. I mean, he is shifty, it seems like, in sh- in short space. I-, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, he's just not going to get a ton of snaps. There's no way around it. If Katie Nixon came in and, and they decided to put him mostly at slot, Jay McIntyre's reps might get reduced yeah. too. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's extra bodies at wide receiver. A lot of those guys are going to see less snaps than they want. I mean, even Shea Fields, Bryce Bobo, and Devin Ross are probably getting less snaps this year with Jawan Winfrey back in the fold. All right, that's it for our mailbag section. To kind of spend the rest of the show, let's just go position by position. I pulled up the uh, eligibility chart. You might be a good idea for you to do that too, Tyler. I got it. Uh, should we go uh, just jump right into quarterback since yeah, that's down, first on the list? Down the list. So you have uh, a senior walk-on in T.J. Patterson, 
Uh, no juniors at the quarterback position. You have a redshirt sophomore, of course, and Steven Montez. A walk-on sophomore, Tyler McGarry. And then uh, Sam Neuer, of course, redshirt freshman. Casey Marksbury, a walk-on, who's a redshirt freshman as well. He ran scout team offense last year. And then uh, early enrollee, Tyler Lytle. And they do have a walk-on, an in-state product, Josh Golden, that will be joining the roster this summer. So TJ Patterson, just the guy there for, for practice, he's obviously not going to be competing. Um, Backup gotta, holder, I believe. And he's got to work on the, the signals, you know, yeah. for calling the plays. That's an important part of his job. Steven Montez, he had a up-and-down spring, didn't have the spring game that a lot of people wanted to see, and uh, kind of followed that up with an up-and-down, you know, redshirt freshman season as the backup to Cephal Lufau. The question is, are we going to see more of the Steve Montez we saw in Eugene and against Oregon State going forward, or are we going to see uh, the, the Montez that struggled in games against elite programs last year? Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely going to be a lot closer to good Montez than Michigan Montez, for sure. Um, I feel like the one thing with quarterbacks is reps, reps, reps with the right guys. I mean, it's all about chemistry with your wide receivers. Um, just knowing you're going to go out there every single day and you run this team, it's tough to go back and forth as a quarterback, backup starter, backup starter, who's in, who are you throwing the ball to in practice every single day, that kind of stuff. So the more he gets to do that this spring, the better I feel like he'll be. There's going to be some growing pains. I mean, he's definitely not the greatest with his mechanics right now. I mean, he, he takes some chances that you don't want to see on game day. But he is uber-talented. He's going to be a great player for us in the long run. The coaches have admitted because of that playing time last year that he's got a leg up in this competition. It, it almost seems to be kind of his job to lose. But at the same time, it's not like they've just handed the, him the keys and said, you're our starting quarterback. Uh, so there is a competition there. At some point, I'm going to be very surprised if Sam Neuer is not a starting quarterback at CU. What makes it difficult is there's only one year separating him and Steve Montez. And Tyler Lytle is so talented, too. It, it's... It's kind of hard to make that proclamation, but Sam Neuer is is not talked about enough. He's definitely the most accurate of, of the guys that have a chance to play right now. A little bit undersized, so that probably is going to rub some people the wrong way. There's just some bad blood. He's between not small others. though. No, he's not. I mean, not as such, but not compared to Stefan and Monte. He's not going to be a running back. He's going to look smaller to you. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think if you end up with Sam Neuer as your starting quarterback at some point in Colorado, you probably are going to feel pretty good about that. He would, I think, be the best backup quarterback in a long time. As, yeah. as well as Montez played at times in that role, uh, there's, I still feel like he was more rough around the edges and certainly yeah. more talented. Uh, his ceiling is higher. Yeah, I mean, I think the your goal is that Montez plays so well that he can leave after his junior year and you get two years of either Neuer or Lytle. I mean, I think that's if everything goes perfectly, that's what your goal would be. Tyler Lytle, it's a little bit more difficult to dive into this discussion. Again, we talked about on our last show, we got a question about him. Just not having a chance to see him with our own eyes on campus at CU. Uh, it's a different animal than high school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, quarterback is definitely the one position. You don't know enough about a guy until you see him with everybody else on the field. How fast is the game moving for him? How accurate is he under pressure? Is he a leader? All that type of stuff. That it's just it's hard to tell on film because those are all highlights, and you're playing against high school kids. You just never really know. It's hard to envision him going through his career and not being a starting quarterback. I, I, you only get one starting quarterback. Those three guys, 
it's just hard to envision none of them getting their opportunity to, to shine at CU. Mm -hmm. Josh Golden, walk-on quarterback, probably your uh, scout team uh, MVP for 2017. Casey Marksberry, man. They, they could keep that role? They keep talking about that they really like him in interviews and stuff. They're like, we got three guys and we really like one of our walk-ons, and that's who they're talking about. And when so. you have three scholarship guys and only three scholarship guys, you actually kind of need that safety mm -hmm. blanket there. Yeah, so I mean, they feel for they feel pretty comfortable with Marksbury as well. So you can kind of throw him into the mix as well. Running back, uh, all of a sudden, a very experienced group with Philip Lindsay entering his senior year. Michael Atkins is going to be a senior as well, and so will Donovan Lee. And then I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. He's a walk-on. Tanner Grigiak. Grigiak. All right, that's my guess. Kyle Evans is going to be a junior. Times is flying by with him. <laughs> Donovan Lee being a senior is crazy to me. That's true. Yeah, when they don't redshirt, they fly by through, fly through the program pretty quickly. Bo Bichret, a true sophomore now, and uh, he's not going to be on campus this spring, so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about him yet. But Alex Fontenot, of course, will be on campus this summer. This is Philip Lindsay's uh, team, really, if you look at it from his leadership ability as well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely a team from a leadership ability. Uh, he's going to get a ton of snaps next year. I think he really took a huge step forward. Was super durable, did not really turn the ball over like we saw younger in his career uh, for the most part. And honestly, he was the one dude on the field that looked like a more explosive athlete than the guys on Oklahoma State in the bowl game. Um, and that was the one thing that we kind of always talked about with him is he's not that explosive athlete. He looked fantastic in that game. So give him a little more size one more year. I think he has a chance to have a really special senior season. Um, Atkins, you know, it's hard to rely on him at this point in terms of health. Donovan Lee, he's been struggling as well. Uh, Kyle Evans is a guy I thought I, he looked pretty comfortable to me uh, when he was out there, so he'll get some snaps. And Bisharat, I think, is in a position right now where everyone wants him to move to linebacker. Um, I want him to move to linebacker, but well, he could play both, in my opinion. Um, that People do that in college all the time. And he's not going to get enough snaps at running back that he can't also play linebacker. So to me, you could put him in in some situational packages and have some success with him on both sides of the ball for sure. He's one of just four 1,000-yard rushers in the last 15 years at CU football. And we haven't done the research. It's been a really long time since they've had back-to-back, -back, uh, a guy that's rushed for over 1,000 in back-to-back -back seasons. Super early, do you, do you predict that's going to happen, though? I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to get the carries to do that. Philip Lindsay? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think he could have over 1,500. Especially, and I think what was what's underrated about him, too, is uh, his ability as a pass catcher yeah. and uh, his ability as a blocker. He's really developed into uh, a well-rounded running back that does everything. Well. Yeah, I mean, I honestly think that he could have – I mean, I know he was in the Heisman talk for like four seconds this year. That, that, that was a little bit early for me, but I do think that if this offense runs the way that we think it can next year, he could be – in consideration. He's going to get a ton of snaps. Um, he's going to be all over the field. I, I think he's going to have a special, special year. Donovan Lee has kind of become a forgotten man, as you mentioned a little bit there. Katie Nixon coming in, does, and, and he's got a skill, similar skill set. Uh, talking about upperclassmen that really need to show up this spring, Donovan mm -hmm. Lee's one of those For guys. For sure, yeah. He could definitely get his role taken. I mean, he, he was not very useful last year, which was crazy. I mean, because... He yeah, through spring ball last year, they were talking about right. him being one of the most consistent guys. Yeah, and he, I mean, I was always kind of questioning his overall athletic, like, speed. I know we talked about that in fall, fall camp a lot last year. He's like, he just doesn't, people want to make him something that he's not, is, is I guess how I describe it. But he really, 
he, he even fell off more than I expected this year. Um, yeah, Katie Nixon's going to play a very similar role. I could see him taking his job. Bo Bichret, I think uh, there's been a lot of talk about him moving a linebacker, and that's certainly not out of the question. From what I'm hearing, though, it's not that Colorado's in a rush to move him, and he's going to definitely keep getting a prolonged look at running back. Moving along to wide receiver, again, a group that has a really strong senior presence with it. Shea Fields, Devin Ross, Bryce Bobo, KB on Intel, all entering their final year of eligibility. And Robert Orban is in that group as a walk-on. He's the, the holder for the team. Juniors, you got Jay McIntyre, Jawan Winfrey coming back from that knee injury. We'll see how much he participates this spring. Lee Walker, uh, arguably, is, can we still say he's the fastest receiver? Probably. Straight line speed? Yeah, I would say he's probably the fastest. But um, has not put it all together, uh, obviously. Jalen Jackson's going to probably, have, if he's healthy, he'll have a chance to. And maybe Bernie Spell, too. There's some walk-ons there as well, practice bodies. Daryl Hubbard is a, a JC walk-on that joins the mix. Uh, he played with a Javier Edwards at, at, at the junior college level. Johnny Huntley, we talked about earlier in the show, uh, being a sophomore that hasn't used his red shirt. Good chance he could do that this year. Separate himself from all those other talented senior receivers on the team. Darian Rakestraw, redshirted last year. He was a guy that made some plays on Scott team. Some people were talking highly of. Jalen Jackson, you mentioned early in Roley. Coming back from that knee injury, going to be limited this spring. And then you've got uh, more talent coming in. Maurice yeah. Bell, LaVisca Chanel, Katie Nixon, all going to be in the mix this summer. Uh, this is a position uh, you, you get pretty excited about, especially from you have that mix of experience. And then talent coming in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't. There are not a ton of wide receiver spots I would take in the 2018 class. Um, they already have too many bodies as it is. I mean, you look at Shea Fields, Devin Ross, Bryce Bobo, Jay McIntyre, Jawan Winfrey. Those are five studs. Um, and then you obviously got kids coming in behind that. Johnny Huntley's a great player. I, I, now that I'm looking at this, I understand why they like Rakestraw so much. He reminds me a lot of KB and Ento, um, just a few years behind. Uh, so I, they like that type of receiver. I think he could kind of play that role for them moving forward, obviously, once a few of these guys move on. Yeah, the, I mean, Darren Cheverini has the good problem of figuring out how to get all these guys involved yeah. on the team. Yeah, I mean, someone's going to be unhappy. <laughs> it's just a fact. So do we still think that Chay Fields will lead the team in receiving yards and Ross probably in catches? <sighs> Man, dude, if Winfrey's healthy, he's the best wide receiver on the team. It's just, that's what it is. That's a fact. Um, we saw it in fall camp last year. He was their number one guy in fall camp before he got hurt. Um, and, and the thing that I think separates him is in the red zone, he's a physical guy. He's going to get some of those balls. That's, that's just not Shea Field's strength. I mean, he's going he's gonna to score from deeper out for the most part. Um, they're different. They're going to play together. If he's healthy, I think he's going to lead the team in both. And major props to Bryce Bobo. This was a, a guy that goes into camp last year, um, and he's so frustrated that he wants to play safety. Then Jawan Winfrey goes down with a knee injury, and everyone, it was the darkest day of camp, and all the, all the CU fans are basically going, you know, it comes down to Bryce Bobo stepping up, and he did exactly that. Yeah, when I mean, we talk about all the time with the ball, last year with the ball in his hands, he was impressive. He just needed more opportunities, and he really showed that. I mean, he was great last year. I almost feel bad for him because he's pro he's the guy that plays that Jawan Winfrey role um, on the team. He's definitely going to lose some snaps. I hope they find a way to keep him involved because he was a really important part to what we did last season. Now, as much as this receiver group should be allotted for what they did in, in 2016, 
they still their production dipped as the season mm-hmm. went along. How much of that do you put on them? How much do you put on that? The quarterback situation, the offensive line. Obviously, it's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination. I, none of them are elite, which is really what the problem is. As the year goes on, you know, you figure out how to slow these guys down. You need a little more consistency, which is why I truly believe Winfrey will lead the team um, because he can be that consistent guy. There's there's only so much you can. He's going to bully some guys out there on the field with his physicality. I mean, he is yoked. I don't think people realize how big he is compared to the other dudes we played at wide receiver last year. I enjoyed hanging out with him at SeaWorld. I think I mentioned that on the previous yeah, podcast. Did. He was asking questions about the Dolphins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Moving along to the fullback slash tight end slash H-back, whatever you want to call these guys group. George Frazier going to be a senior. Dylan Keeney is already a junior. It seems like his eligibility is flying by, too. Chris Bounds, a sophomore. Derek Coleman, a walk-on redshirt freshman. And then we'll see if Sebastian Over ends up playing tight end. Uh, it sounds like I mean, I've got to put him somewhere on the eligibility chart, so I, I slotted him in here. And then Jared Poplowski, of course, the, who they flipped from Arizona State on signing day. Those guys will be on campus this summer. I asked Sean Irwin about the position as he's getting ready to leave the program in December. That was an interview we played on Buff Stampede Radio. And he mentioned Chris Bounds, who I know is a guy that – you feel is, is undervalued, underrated on this roster. Yeah, definitely. Um, a guy that's going to remind you a little bit of Sean Irwin, but probably has a little more athleticism to him. He looked really comfortable to me in fall camp. I think he's a guy, I mean, well, still, or not. the tight end is not going to be a huge part of the offense. I don't want to get crazy with this here, but I do think he's capable of making some plays. So, yeah, keep going through the program in a hurry. They didn't use him at all this year, we thought. They might try to sneak him in a little bit more. and then They've tried a couple times. George Frazier might be the most disappointing player on the team. Is there going to be a redemption story is the question. I don't know. I mean, he went from being one of the best young guys on the – he was awful last year. <laughs> missing blocks, missing – dropping passes. Like, it was it was ugly for sure for a good part of the last year for, for George. The skill set is there. Yeah. He's got to find that magic of his sophomore campaign when it seemed like every time he touched the football he was – either scoring or running somebody over. Mm-hmm. He certainly got the ability. He is a leader and then guy, a guy that people look up to on the team. Um, I saw somewhere on signing day, I think that they, McIntyre referred to Carson Wells as potentially a guy who might play fullback. That was super surprising to me. They talked about that at the um, signing day luncheon. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I would, I would as well. But he legitimately did mention that as a possibility, so... It sounds like Chris Bounds is a pretty well-rounded tight end, but uh, if what I'm hearing from people is accurate, obviously they were closed practices last year. His pass catching might be a little bit ahead of his run blocking. Um, so yeah, you're still going to see a lot of George Frazier in there in, in blocking situations for sure. Offensive line. This will be a big group to get through here. 16 of them, if you count the guys that signed with CU in, uh, earlier this month. Jeremy Irwin, of course, uh, going to be a, a sixth-year player uh, after getting that medical redshirt. Starting left tackle, Jared Coe, going to be a senior as well, starting left guard. Of course, Jonathan Huckins is, is the big wild card here. He's got a lot of experience but has not been a dominant guy in his playing time. Does he get passed up by one of the younger guys, or does he solidify himself at, at either center or right guard? Josh Kaiser we talked a little bit about, kind of being a wild card there. He's going to be a junior. And then you get into the underclassmen here. 
Timmy Lanott Jr., who was a freshman All-American last year, Aaron Hagler, who played about as well as you could expect anybody at 270 pounds starting at right tackle, Isaac Miller, who has been uh, quietly putting on some good weight, Dylan Middlemiss, who we still don't quite know where he's going to factor in, but would I would think be an interior guy most likely. you got a couple walk-ons that are sophomores, but uh, more so practice bodies. Uh, Hunter Vaughn, who's a redshirt freshman, and then you have Colby Purcell and Chance Lytle on campus for spring ball after gray shirting. Jake Moretti, of course, is on campus. Uh, the most highly regarded offensive lineman signee since Ryan Miller. Uh, and then Heston Page, Grant Polly, William Sherman, Casey Roddick all coming in. Big question mark about who's going to be that starter that steps in. Uh, but a lot of optimism about down the road once you get Jake Moretti's knee healthy and Grant Polly and get those guys in the system, redshirt them, develop them. Yeah, I, mean, I think you have to highlight Lenat and Hagler as, I mean, those are your staples for the next couple of years of offensive line. You have to feel good about that. I mean, anytime you have a freshman All-American, you know you're going to have for the next three years. <laughs> you feel good about that, especially as your center. I mean, kind of the guy who's leading the whole entire unit up there. Uh, this year's group should be the best we've had in quite some time, um, for sure. I mean, a lot of forgotten names on there, which is a good sign. I mean... Hunter Vaughn, Colby Purcell, Chance Lytle, all guys. So I think you have a chance to develop but aren't going to be asked to play um, anytime this year. I think from this incoming class, Heston Page and Casey Roddick are two guys for sure are going to redshirt. Um, and then everybody else, we'll see how it shakes out. You would have liked their depth quite a bit more had Sam Cronsage decided to stick around mm -hmm. for his senior year. But on the same token... If a guy's not 100% dedicated in, maybe you don't want that guy in the locker room. Yeah, for sure. Not that he was a bad guy or anything, but it just wasn't... No, I just don't think he loves football, which is, you know, that's understandable. If you, I mean, if you don't love football, lineman is probably not the position you want to play. So. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so I mean, like you said, there's... If you can get a, one of the guys out of this group, Hunter Vaughn, Colby Purcell, Chance Lytle, um, Dylan Middlemiss to be really solid depth pieces mm -hmm. with the talent you coming in, you feel good about the depth yeah. going forward as I well. I think Isaac Miller, I mean, he has a chance to be a really good starting offensive lineman. He just, he's kind of working his way slowly. I think he has a chance to be really special, especially when Jeremy Irwin graduates. Yeah, I think if Irwin wasn't coming back, that we would be spending a lot of time on this podcast talking about Isaac Miller and potentially mm -hmm. being that starting left tackle. We'll see if Aaron Hagler eventually moves over to left tackle. He says he's really comfortable on the right side. And actually, Clayton Adams says he's not super hung up on left tackle, right tackle, that if a guy's comfortable in a role, he's not going to force a square peg through a round hole. So I think there's a decent chance he stays at right tackle throughout his career. Moving over to defense, nose tackle. Uh, you've got no seniors. You've got a junior in Jace Frankie, who you really could put uh, with the other defense alignment as well. When he's going to play nose tackle, it's going to be in pass rush situations right. like he did as a backup to Tupa last year. Uh, so uh, Javier Edwards, we've talked about him a lot on this podcast ever since he committed to the Buffaloes, expected to fill in the shoes of Josh Tupo. Brett Tons is a guy that when you talk to the coaches and players uh, is, is, is highly regarded but not talked a lot about among the fan base just because he was under the radar as a recruit. He's going to be a sophomore. Lyle Tuiloma. Did really well as a true freshman on scout team, but has not taken that next step as a player. Seems like he might be another year away, just waiting for that to kind of click for him. He did get engaged recently, so congrats to, to Lyle for that. Yeah, I saw that on social media. And then uh, Jalen Sammy, uh, who is one of the more intriguing signees just because of 
the way his recruitment went down. Um, he's going to be on campus this summer. Uh, here, it kind of eggs all in the, the Javier Edwards basket, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're going to want him to stay healthy. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, they do seem to like Tons. I think he's more of a steady Eddie type, though. Um, then you would really want to be your the guy running your defense, you know, kind of like Josh Dupo was last year. He really kind of makes that engine go. So uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, Frankie's going to play that inside, third and long, that type of stuff. Um, but for the most part, you'll probably see him take more snaps outside if he's playing. And that transi transitioned us into those guys, uh, ten of them, not including Jace Frankie. Uh, Leo Jackson's going to be a senior. Timothy Coleman's going to be a senior. You've got uh, the junior college additions in Chris Malumba, Shamar Hamilton. Uh, and Shamar Hamilton, actually, you probably might see at outside linebacker, too. Uh, it kind of depends on how uh, much weight he puts in working with Drew Wilson this spring and summer. Michael Matthews, a guy that seemingly has gotten passed over and just not been able to put on all the yeah. weight, is going to be a junior. Eddie Lopez, again, another guy, showed flashes early in his career, just hasn't taken that next step as a player. Might, might be getting passed up if he doesn't have a strong spring. Uh, Frank Umu, who's going to be, by all accounts, you want to talk about a young guy that's going to emerge, and I had him on that list of guys that are primed for a bigger role in 2017. This is the guy. We'll circle back to him after I run down these guys. Tariq Roberts, redshirt freshman, Dante Sparacco, an early enrollee. Terrence Lang, as long as he qualifies, will be in the mix this summer. Let's go back to Frank Umu. This is a guy that has put on a lot of size since he first verbally committed to Colorado. He's actually at 308 as of the last time I talked to him in December. Um, he is a, a big object. He's a beast. Love it. One of those late uh, people kind of, it'll be kind of interesting. Jalen Sammy, I think, could have a similar type situation go on where Frank Umu was a late guy, didn't think we were going to offer him. All of a sudden, late, they're like, oh, he's gained a, lot, gained a ton of weight, making a bunch of noise. And now I think, I mean, he for sure has passed up Eddie Lopez and Michael Matthews. I'd be very surprised to see them play over him this year. Uh, maybe even Timothy Coleman. We'll see how that plays out. I mean, I think Coleman's earned some PT as well, but. They're definitely different um, players for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think he's going to be the one guy that you're hoping can fill in that backup role and really, you know, we'd have a pretty solid rotation if he's reliable at that defensive end spot. And if they did a punt, pass, and kick competition for yeah, college players, he would uh, be a shoe in to be uh, among right. the best in the country. I forgot about that. Under the lights camp. He's got a cannon out there. And he was booting the ball, too. He's, he he legitimately was was like trying to get Steven Montez to have a throwing competition with him to see who could throw farther. And I was like, all right, you probably should have picked Zepho. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was right there with him, though. He was behind him, for sure. But he could throw farther than Zepho, I bet. <laughs> all right, well, we should talk about Leo Jackson a little bit here, too. This is a yeah. guy that played a lot of snaps two years ago. I was relegated to more, uh, a lesser role just because Jordan Carroll and Jordan... Uh, Samson Kafavala were able to just really handle most of the reps last year, but he's a guy that you're really going to lean on from uh, his experience standpoint yeah. with so many new faces defensively. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, it's not like he there, there was not – you didn't lose a whole lot when he was on the field last year. So um, they, I think they feel pretty good about him manning one of those outside DLD line spots this year. Um, I, would see him, I would expect him to play similar snap count to what he did his, I guess, sophomore year. He definitely maintains his gap. Is you talk? Yeah. He's I would maybe say a little bit of a step up from a steady Eddie type. But he, right. He's not an explosive player. He's not going to have ten sacks or or you know have a huge year like we saw Jimmy Gilbert all of a sudden pop up with all these huge stats. But he's he's a guy who's going to play his role. Um, and they play Derek McCarty behind him a lot. 
usually. And so the, that side of the ball, you know what's going to happen. You know what those two are going to do at all times. And I think that's nice for a defensive coordinator. You expect Dante Sprocket to play this year. I could definitely see that happening as well. He's got the... the I yeah. I don't know if I expect him to play, but I think he has a really good chance. He, he's, he's physically ready to play, is I guess how I would put it right now. If they needed him to play, he could do it. Heard about positive reports about Tariq Roberts on scout team. I've mentioned before, I don't know if it was on this show or the, the last show, they kind of running together now, but he is a guy I think is one year away from being a guy that, that's yeah. part of that rotation. And that's okay. I mean, there's you know that's kind of how the linemen go. There's nothing wrong with him kind of being ready to go as a sophomore. Outside linebacker, you've got Derek McCartney coming back after that ACL injury last year. Trent Headley, uh, one of the more talented walk-ons on this team that also had a knee injury this past season that will be a guy you'll see on special teams probably next year. The, both those guys are going to be seniors. You've got NJ Follow, who all of a sudden, because he has a red shirt, he's running through that eligibility yeah. fast, too. He's going to be a junior. Yeah, especially because he has missed most of the games in both years he's played. So, And Taron Hasselback is going to be a junior as well. Really good depth piece there. Sam Binion is a redshirt freshman. Pookie Maka, redshirt freshman. Pookie is not going to take the mission like he had initially said he was going to, so he's going to stick on campus. And then you've got a wave of young guys coming in, Carson Wells, Chase Newman, Jacob Callier, all expected to play outside linebacker when they get on campus. I think uh, this group, it comes down to Derek McCartney and if he can get 100% healthy from that knee. Yeah, if he's healthy, you definitely feel a lot better about um, our situation. He's, again, we talked about just a second ago, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to be a guy has six or seven sacks on the year. He's going to set the edge on his side, which is huge for that position, especially with a uh, little more inexperience on the D-line this year. Um, he's a great run stuffer um, from that outside linebacker position. So him him coming back is huge for the success of this defense, in my opinion. Uh, NJ Fowler, I thought, played really well uh, last year. definitely saw increased playing time as yeah. the season went along. Um, Taron Hasselbeck is a guy who I think doesn't get appreciated enough. I don't know if he's a guy you want to play a ton of snaps on your defense, but he comes in in a backup role and does his job. I felt like for the most part he's a pretty solid piece there. Uh, Benyon, we haven't seen enough yet, so we don't we don't. Really he's a hard worker, is yeah. what I keep hearing about him. Pookie's still pretty undersized, um, so he's probably a year away in my opinion. Um, Jacob Collier is definitely the most physically ready to play of the three guys that are coming in right now. Uh, we'll just have to see. I was borderline shocked when uh, they McIntyre and Jeffcoat were. Both very adamant that he's going to be an outside linebacker. I just I thought he was for sure going to be a hand in the ground guy, and he could be developed into that. But I was that was one of the few things on signing day that kind of shocked me with what the coaches were saying. Yeah, I think they kind of want him to play that McCartney role, and he's he's not really a true outside linebacker. You know, like they had McCartney standing up on the edge of the line as a run stuffer for the most part of his snaps, and I kind of feel like they want Callie to play that same role for them. All right, let's move uh, to inside linebacker. Addison Gillum is going to be a senior. There were rumors, again, that maybe he wasn't going to be back this year, but uh, he's still on the team and uh, going to be an important piece if he can stay healthy, of course. Rick Gamboa is going to be a junior now. Drew Lewis is a junior. He was a backup uh, last year and saw a few snaps backing up Kenneth Olobode. You've got no sophomores at inside linebacker. You've got Akil Jones. Uh, who uh, I know you're high on Tyler after he redshirted. Um, and, that, and that's that's it in terms of scholarship guys. So John Van Deest and Nate Lamman coming in. We've mentioned that Carson Wells could potentially play inside backer as well. I know you've been hesitant with the whole Addison Gillum thing. Mm -hmm. You never expected him to be back to the freshman uh, yeah. version of him. 
But there were moments, certainly last year, where you saw it in brief flashes. Yeah, no, I mean, he definitely played both more and better than I expected him to last year. Um, I'm still not ready to call him reliable and 100% back, but he definitely had more of an impact on last year than I expected, so that was great to see. Um, I hope he does get to play his senior year. If anyone deserves to be recognized on senior day, it's Addison Gillum. So I hope he does make it back. Gamboa is kind of a guy you know what you're getting. Um, definitely has his limitations as well. Drew Lewis, I feel like, is a guy that no one we don't really talk about a lot, but he's a pretty talented player. He's right? definitely got some speed at linebacker. Yeah, he, he, he's looked really good at times. He's a guy who's going to help you on special teams as well. You can expect him to get some more snaps this year. And, yeah, I do love Akil Jones. I think he's got the body to be really – Really a beast at that inside linebacker spot a few years down the line. Uh, love his speed. Love, he, he goes after the ball carrier, doesn't care about his own body. Um, I think he's going to be special here. Jim Levitt would fall in love with certain guys, and Rick Gambo was one of those guys that Levitt really liked as a coach, and I think just because Rick is such a heady football player mm -hmm. that he, could he felt like he could depend on him out there. It's going to be interesting to see if DJ Elliott has the same fondness for Rick Gambo's skill set. He's one of the more polarizing players on this team just when you look at the fan base's reaction to certain players. Yeah, I mean, when he, when he diagnoses correctly and gets ahead of the play, he's fine. But if he has any hesitation whatsoever, he's already three steps behind, and he's not catching up. So I think that's the biggest concern with him. When you have Addison out there who's prone to making mistakes at times, Gamboa is sometimes nice to have next to him because you know what you're getting. He's reliable, a little more reliable in that regard. But Kenneth Ogbode's development last year into being a truly special linebacker made you really realize that unless you have someone who you're not as comfortable with next to Gamboa, he's just not that good. Um, so we have a little more inexperience coming in this year, so he's, he might need to play a little bit more of a role. But if you get someone you're really comfortable in, he can be replaced as well. Obviously a lot of discussion about the talent that Colorado's losing in their secondary and a, a lot of discussion about Jimmy Gilbert's pass rushing ability and, mm -hmm. and filling that role. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about replacing Kenneth Olobode. Is this a bigger deal than people are making it out to be? Definitely. He had a huge year. Um, I mean, people are going to say, oh, see, he's not that good. He's not in the combine. Neither is Jimmy Gilbert. That doesn't have anything to do with how Just has to do with your body. Right. Type. Yeah, they Though they are good enough players to play in the NFL, they're just not big enough players. There's a difference, and then that's what makes the NFL what it is. It's a league. There are plenty of guys who are talented enough to play in that league that just can't stand up physically. Um, both Jimmy and Kenneth are those guys. I hope they get chances in camp and prove us wrong. But yeah, I mean, they're we're missing some talent at linebacker next year. There's there's definitely reason to be concerned. Moving along to cornerback, and uh, with some of these secondary. Uh, spots it's a little interchangeable guys can move around Andrew Bergner is the lone senior there he's a walk-on he was one of two guys that Sefo Lufau pointed out when I asked him specifically who are the guys on this team that don't get enough attention he mentioned Andrew Bergner so he certainly from a scout team standpoint does a good job he plays on special teams uh, a little bit and yeah I mean you see him match up with the ones and twos and practice a lot in fall camp I mean he's you know he's a guy you don't want starting on your team but he's a pretty good walk-on one of the top five walk-ons for sure junior Isaiah Oliver uh, you mentioned that uh, if there's a guy that has a chance to get picked in the first round in the coming next couple of years it's gonna be him yep. Anthony Jewel Meese is gonna be a true sophomore you bring in Dante Wigley with three to three play three sorry so he's gonna be a sophomore as well 
And then you've got uh, Ronnie Blackman and Trey Udofia, both guys that redshirted last year, both guys that uh, flashed a little bit while they were redshirting, and guys that, you know, you, you look at kind of the stability of this program, and, and you look to guys like Ronnie Blackman and Trey Udofia. Those are guys that three, four years ago that would have played as true freshmen right. and played quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think even this year they might not play a ton, which, again, is a great sign. I think Wiggly coming in allows you to do that. Assuming Isaiah Oliver, Jewel Meese, and Wiggly all stay healthy, those are going to be the guys you see playing cornerback a ton for this team. Um, Blackman and Udofia still have a ton of time. I think Udofia is probably more physically ready. Blackman's still pretty frail. Um, he's, a he's a tiny kid, uh, but freak athlete. So on special teams, he could certainly be useful. Chris Miller, definitely more physically gifted coming into the program. So he has a chance to be really special. I love his athleticism. And then Kevin George, uh, another JC guy, but he's not going to be on campus this spring, so he's going to be a little bit behind the curve there. Do you think Dante Wigley could end up playing uh, playing safety at some point? He's pretty physical. He does have a long frame. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see kind of where the where all the spots lie. I mean, if they feel comfortable with Jules Meese uh, as a starter right away this year next to Isaiah Oliver, they might just want to get Wigley on the field, depending on um, how they try to use Ryan Moeller next year. I put a gun to your head. Of course, we're going to say Isaiah Oliver is going to be a starter. Who do you think is more likely to start, Anthony Jules or Dante Wigley? Oh, boy. Probably Wigley. Um, I think just because Jules Meese fits into that nickel role a little bit more. I think I think he'll be moved around, I guess, okay. more if that's if I'm going to decide between the two. Wigley's kind of... Um, I, I, think, I think they brought him in to be that starter. They want to bring Jules Meese up. Kind of in that same way that Isaiah Oliver was. I mean, be, be as a sophomore who's super talented, but necessarily probably gets the third most snaps. Yeah, and he will definitely see an increased role. And it might be that situation, like as talented as Isaiah Oliver was, he was their number three corner last year. Yeah, that, that, I think that's ideally what you have is that same situation this year. Well, Drew Meese can still kind of get his body right, um, help us on special teams even more so if he's not playing a ton of defensive snaps. Um, and then you know, kind of be the number one guy on the team as a junior and senior, depending on if Oliver comes back. Or... Uh, moving along to safety, Ryan Muller we have listed there. He's going to be a senior. He was obviously a hybrid, played buff linebacker close to the line of scrimmage last year as well. Afelabe Laguda is entering his final year of eligibility. Um, he's a guy that, man, he brings the, the hammer. Uh, some questions about his uh, pass coverage, especially when he's matched up with tight ends. USC game is one that stands out. Yeah, he gets picked on for sure. Um, you can see they run certain routes to get him confused. He, he's usually that guy that gets beat on one of those delayed deep routes. Um, so we'll see. You know, he's got to get used to this level. He's young, coming into the program, a little bit inexperienced as well. So we'll see. You know, some of these guys really turn it on senior year. I mean, he's a good depth piece at the very least. Um, uh, he's going to be expected to start. We'll see if they can put him in positions to be successful. One of the guys that I'm I'm excited about for his future, um, and it's crazy that he's already a, a junior. Again, another guy that didn't register, Nick Fisher. Uh, obviously saw a glimpse of that in the Washington State game. He was named mm -hmm. Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week. He's really versatile and mm -hmm. can really perform at a high level in any of those defensive back roles. He's a valuable piece. Yeah, arguably the best depth piece on the team. Right now, he has a chance to start as well. I think we'll see how how it plays out for him. Um, Trago, I think, is a guy, a special teams guy. He's going to play a little bit, probably. Um, Evan White coming back. We'll he's see the wild card here. Is. Yeah, I mean, if Evan White is ready to go, you're, you feel much better about your safety situation, I think. 
he has a lot of off the level Laguda. Yeah, for sure. Maybe not quite as hard a hitter, but the the question there comes in, in pass, pass coverage. coverage yeah. Uh, could you move him in, into that Ryan Moeller role too? And, and I yeah. think that's yeah. I mean, I think from a physicality standpoint, he fits that mold a little bit better. I mean, Ryan Moeller's a great player, but he's tiny. I mean, you run a sweep at Ryan Moeller, and a three hundred pound dude comes to block him. There's not much he's going to do. Evan White's going to stand up a little more physically in that spot. Got to mention, Jason Sanchez is going to be a junior coming back from that torn ACL. Kind of like what you said with Trego, you'd expect him to be a special teams guy. And then the only other guy, it's crazy. There's only one scholarship underclassman at safety on the roster, and that's Isaiah Lewis who comes in. And he uh, is came in a little banged up. He missed most of his senior year of high school with a shoulder injury. Yeah, you, I think he, the goal is he's probably going to redshirt. Uh, unless he gets fully back healthy, we'll see. But a little more of a project in my eyes. So we've talked about recruiting needs for uh, 2017. Safety is yeah. a big one. And they do have Ray Robinson already. Uh, Who so could be a linebacker, though, could too. Could be, for sure. But, I mean, he's, he's a guy that's going to – he's already physically ready to play, in my right. opinion. He's right. a beast. So um, at least you got that moving forward. But, yeah, I, I would think you would take at least two more safeties. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you that we get to talk about the place kicker situation next? I'm not talking about Negative the 10. guy. Negative 10. Davis Price is your starting kicker. I don't want to hear anything else about it. They are efforting to bring in another kicker to at least compete, uh, whether it's most likely a walk-on situation. There's a walk-on named Nick Porter, and I'd be lying if I could really provide any analysis <laughs> here. Davis Price is your starter. <laughs> Punter, we actually have to talk about this a little bit. Alex Kinney, as his true freshman season went along, was getting really good, and it was to the point where you're thinking this is going to be an all-conference guy at some point. Then last year, the Michigan debacle happens, and that's certainly not on all on Alex Kinney. They were blocking assignment issues in that game, but it seemed to really kind of get in his head for a little bit. And then there were times where you kind of saw him start to get it together again, but not to the point where I think you feel super confident about the situation. Oh, yeah, he was a concern last year for sure. He, he regressed, in my opinion. Even when he didn't have any... Getting, he didn't get any blocked down the stretch, and so that wasn't an issue. But he definitely wasn't kicking the ball well. I mean, there was a lot of wobbly 40-yarders. You, you know, you'd like to see a couple. You're an altitude. There should be a lot more 50-yard punts than there were last year. I think that's overblown a little bit, though. I've had, like, Will Oliver tell me he only thinks it's like a two-yard difference, at least from he was a place kicker, obviously. I think it's a little overblown. Oh, I'm sure it is to some degree, but you shouldn't be a poor punter in Colorado. All right, let's play a game here. Predict, Utah certainly or, seems to figure it out. Guess where CU ranked in uh, punting in the Pac-12 rankings last season. Like punt average or punt? punt uh, let's see how they have it here. Yes, it's by uh, net punting. Okay, so including coverage. Is that what we're uh, doing? Because including uh, coverage, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. We didn't give up any crazy long punts. Net, net, net is is what is with coverage. in that. Yeah, so probably in the 70s. No, I'm talking in the Pac-12. Oh. One to seven. Twelfth. Dead last. Yeah, see, okay. So that's with coverage, and it wasn't even that bad. So he needs to be better. What was the What was the number? They, they averaged, their net punting average was 34.4. Uh, that's gross. You know Utah is like, every year they're like the best in the country at this. They were 44.6. Yeah. So that's more than a, a first down yeah. Yeah. difference. That's huge. The number probably, your goal is to be probably around 40. Would be my guess. I mean, what was that in the Pac-12? I mean, what would that? 
Forty would would have put you third. Oh, okay. So even so, even better than I would have said. But I mean, that's a huge difference. Six yards. Yeah, it's got, you got to be better there. I mean, I, I would like to know what his actual punting average was, regardless of net. I, I bet it wasn't more than forty yards, which is not. It was forty-one point three. Yeah, that's not good. Your goal is to be in the forty-four. I mean, it, the thing about it is, his hang time was poor too. And it's one thing if you're kicking at forty-two and no one's returning it on you ever. But uh, well, I think we already talked about the. The long snapper battle that's going to brew here between JT Bell and Devin Knopf. No but scholarships though. JT Bell has uh, the man. got the leg up. I did not notice him last year, so that tells me he didn't do a bad job. Perfect job. If I don't have to talk about you, you did your job perfectly. All right, uh, returner. I mean, this year Anthony Joel Me seemed to do fine in the kickoff return yeah, role. Always seemed like he was one missed tackle away. Like you could see him start to get frustrated after a while. But I just hate return game in college. Why don't they just put it at the 25 or whatever they do now, 30? Everyone I will say, it 50 yards into the end zone. I will say, Isaiah Oliver, despite having that really big return against UCLA, makes you a little nervous back there. He does not seem like he's 100% comfortable back there. You saw him muff the one in the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, and everyone talked about how good he was in that role. <laughs> he did have the one huge one for sure, but he just... If that's not his natural thing. I mean, you want a shiftier guy, not a pure track athlete back there. So uh, if we're setting Las Vegas odds, does Katie Nixon have the best odds? Probably. McIntyre, they could go back to him as well. I mean, everyone, that was a terrible game, but the rest of the year he was great. So whatever. Yeah. Everyone, want, everyone <laughs> we're not allowed to have bad games anymore, I guess. If the other team has a left-footed kicker, don't put yes, Jay out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, which is rare. Yeah. What are we missing here? Coaching, I think, uh, kind of the turnover defensively with the new defensive backs coach, not knowing who that ninth assistant is going to be yet. Or tenth, if there is one. Well, that, that wouldn't be for spring ball for sure. Oh, that's um, a fall thing. Right. Oh, okay. It still has to actually get voted on in uh, April. Uh, so, DJ, DJ Elliott, uh, you had a chance to t- sit with him at the yeah. Recruiting luncheon, uh, you seem pretty. You seem more optimistic about him following that encounter than you did. Yeah, I mean, it's you never know. He's going to definitely get along with McIntyre, which is an improvement over the, over Levitt, obviously. Um, I don't I don't know if I'm ready to say he's going to be as good of a defensive coach as Levitt was. That would be hard. Um, Levitt was a beast. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think he has a chance to be pretty special, though. And recruiting wise, he's got a lot of talent. He's going to work at it harder than Levitt did. So from those two perspectives, you have an improvement for sure. Obviously, you had to force Joe Tompkin to resign. We know that. But from a football standpoint, I think that is really going to be – I don't think enough people are – everyone's obviously looking to Levitt's departure. I don't think enough people are are understanding that Joe Tompkin was a big part of halftime adjustments and was really – despite his – what was going on behind closed doors was uh, a really good football mind to have on the staff. Big-time football mind. We're going to miss them both for sure. Um, I do think Shadon Brown is going to be – a big-time upgrade for us, though. And Charles Clark was a great coach, too. Don't get me wrong. I really liked him. Um, the secondary was a beast, obviously, and he's a big part of that. But Shadon Brown is going to be great for us, I think. I don't think you're going to be able to keep co-offense coordinators going for the f- like uh, the next five, ten years, obviously. At right. some point, that's going to work itself out. The chemistry, the yin in, in the yang between uh, Cheverini and Lindgren seemed to work out about as well as he could have hoped for. It did. I mean, honestly, though, if we're, I mean, 
Cheverini, his recruiting obviously takes away from a lot of this, but the offense was not as good as I think we expected last year, especially down the stretch at times. So I like to see we have to see some improvement there. Um, I, you, you, I don't know who to blame that on. There, you obviously have some limitations and a lot of quarterback injuries, but yeah, I mean you got to see some more consistency and definitely some better production out of the offense this year. In in the Alamo Bowl, I think the thing that frustrated people the most was just the fact that. Oklahoma State had that whole month to prepare for Sefo Lufau's ability as a running quarterback, basically being a fullback out there, and uh, they game planned really well to prepare for that. And, and they they didn't it be to me, and it's easy to say this being the armchair quarterback or whatever, but it seemed like after the first four or five tries, it was like, okay, this is just not going to work today. You got to go away from it, and they right. just didn't. Yeah, I think they were just surprised because everyone knew it was coming all year, and no one else stopped it. I think when you have a whole month, though, to prepare for Right, yeah, I mean, that's obviously the truth, but I still, you know, like, people knew it was coming all year, and we still got what we needed out of the deal, so, yeah, I think they didn't get away from it enough, but we talk about that a lot in coaching in general. I mean, Tad's the same thing. He's stubborn. He's going to do it until he's bleeding. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it did not work out for sure, and it looked bad, but I think they were surprised to see it struggle so much. Well, I think we've talked enough here in this show, uh, rambled on enough, that uh, we'll come back maybe mid-spring ball. Hopefully some of these practices are open so we can kind of share more insight after seeing these guys or at least hearing about them a little bit Come on, Mac. I want to watch some football. Help me out. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully this uh, was entertaining on some level. I felt like it was more of a rambling show than than normal. but uh, It's February. Talk football. It's fun. All right. Thanks for tuning in.